Hello, everybody. Well, we are back in our previous um, episode podcast. We did our top 10 list, We the beginning of it, uh, the end of it, I guess I should say. We counted down from 10 to about number six. Here we're going to wrap things up uh, in this episode. Um, we had some overlap, which is good because um, it shows that Pam knows what she's talking about. However, <laughs> on my number six, she completely missed the boat uh, with Poor Things uh, starring Emma Stone. <clears throat> I, I, I heard you scoff. I heard you I, scoff. It was a raspberry. <laughs> a raspberry. Is that what that was? Okay. That was. <laughs> I want to hear uh, what you have to say about this because I am going to add in a little bit of my own tune sense, but I'm curious to see what interesting little factoid you found about it. Okay, but you know, I, I want you to, I want to point out, and you're welcome to say whatever you want to say, but I want to point out that with some of your choices, six through ten, I was very nice and didn't say anything. I will so, try not to say anything too derogatory. But no, you do what you, it's always good when we disagree. So that's it, is. it makes life interesting, doesn't it? It does. It does. Uh, Poor Things is from, and I'm probably going to screw this guy's name up. Um, Yorgos, Yorgos Lanthimos. Lanthimos. Yeah, I was going to say that. I, I would have gotten that. Okay, Go Yorgos Lanthimos. Uh, he's a very unique filmmaker. Um, just love what he does. He did a great film called The Lobster with Colin Farrell. I uh, did a great film called uh, The Favorite, uh, also with Emma Stone, uh, Rachel Weisz, and... Um, I'm blanking now, and she won the Oscar for it, Olivia Coleman. Um, this one uh, stars um, Emma Stone and Willem Dafoe. Um, did you know that Willem Dafoe's makeup in this took him four hours? I can't imagine. Well, I mean, I can believe that, but I can't imagine sitting well, still long enough to do it. I can't even sit still and have my nails done. Right. And, you know, and I've heard of makeup jobs lasting longer. Uh, but frankly, I'm surprised it took four hours. It didn't seem to be that elaborate to me as I watched it, but four hours. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, he plays a doctor, a doctor who is very, very, uh, radical, unique in his, um, in his approach to things. Um, and, um, his name is, um, gosh, I'm blanking on his name. Anyway, he has he believes that you can reanimate uh, things and you can also uh, do graphs between species. Mm -hmm. So you might have in his house a um, duck walking around with a pig's body <clears throat> uh, or a dog with a cat's behind. You never know. He's always screwing around with things, experimenting with things. And that's and hilarious. <laughs> I, oh, that was great. It was just absolutely great. Um, oh, Dr. Baxter. Yeah. Godwin Baxter. Godwin Baxter. Yeah. I found, I found that name to Thank be you. quite interesting. Yeah. Godwin. Uh, and she refers to him as God throughout as, which, you know, is, it has a double meaning mm -hmm. because Bella played by Emma Stone is dead and his, her body comes, uh, Dr. Baxter's way and he brings the body back to life, but with a unique twist, she's pregnant as well and is able to save the fetus and he transposes the fetus of her unborn child its brain into her skull so <clears throat> she's a full-grown woman but she has the maturity of a child and uh, acts like that not throughout but through the initial scene so her brain has got to catch up with 
her body. And it's all about this woman becoming a woman, basically, in a very oppressive society. Uh, her struggle to independence is fraught with uh, having to overcome one clueless man after another, uh, especially Mark Ruffalo, who plays just, just this wonderful cad uh, who basically introduces her to sex. Uh, she finds out about it on her own, but she he really gives her an education. And she can't understand why, if this feels good, why you just can't do it all the time with whoever you want. Uh, very enlightened uh, way of doing of, of looking at things, and which, of course, drives him nuts. Very male uh, way of looking at things. <laughs> oh, completely. Well, you know, uh, 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 you know, a do as I say, not as I do way of looking at things. Um, this movie, I, I don't want to give too much away, but I mean, it's not for everyone. It is extreme in the sex that it shows. And it's odd. I mean, it is strange. Uh, I, I looked at it as a modern remake of The Bride of Frankenstein. If the bride were around to develop and how she would react to, to, to things. Uh, it seems to take place in like a steampunk version of Europe. Uh, the, the the inventions we see the 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 uh, the production design here is fantastic. Uh, it also reminded me of Monty Python as well, as far as that sensibility, as far as how it looked, and also the humor as well, because Bella, you know, she she's in high society, but she's acting like she's ten, uh, which opens up a lot of hilarious things. She discovers what prostitution is and looks at it as a a very practical way of of surviving which drives him crazy as well. Um, again, not for all tastes, but it had me thinking, it had me laughing. It's too long by about 20 minutes. Uh, and it features one of the worst performances I've seen this year uh, from Jared Carmichael, uh, a traveler that she meets along the way with an older woman. Uh, he is definitely on, not on the uh, same level as everyone else in this film. And his film and his scenes do drag it down. But uh, this was a unique film. I didn't know where we were going. It was constantly surprising. I was laughing. I really, really enjoyed it. Good, 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 good. I, I'm, I, I don't know if I should say anything or not. Of course, say something. <laughs> that you know, that's why uh, we do you know, this. I thought it was very smart. I thought it was very funny, and I also thought it was very gratuitous in how it depicted sex and. I was embarrassed. I was like very uncomfortable. And some of the stuff was like way over the top when you and earmuffs here, if you don't want to hear a spoiler, when she is basically working as a prostitute and a dad comes in with his two teenage sons so that they can watch him have sex with her. That was just too much. That was just too much. And and I get the point of the movie and I understand the the feminist aspect of it and taking control over your own body. They had some really smart stuff in there about equality and, and the dichotomy between, you know, men and women, especially of that era, maybe today as well. Um I don't think it I ever think, goes away. No. And, and and I think it just was it was frustrating to me to just show everything. I don't really want to watch people have sex. If I want to do that, I'll watch a porn. And I'm not going to do that on in the big screen. I just felt really like it was just too much. It made me uncomfortable. Then it did its job. No, it's no, it didn't. It, it went okay. it went too far. It did okay. not do its job okay. to me. But that's me. But that's you know, your, back that's to your... 
back to the scene with the 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 father and the sons i agree it, it was uncomfortable it was a bit too much but that's a reflection of uh you know that character do we and, do they have to show it or can they just infer it can we use our imagination as opposed to just watching it i felt i felt like i was a voyeur i, I can imagine you can set up the situation and then i can infer what's going to happen i don't have to watch it it's okay. kind of like good horror movies, you know, I don't have to see it all break down. Yeah, but I mean, I think the whole sexual aspect of her life was key to the whole film. Uh, you know, her learning, her, sure. her, her, you know, the her being exposed to all these different proclivities, whether they're acceptable or not. I, right. I mean, I'm not going to argue with this. I, it made me uncomfortable as well. But leave something you know, to the imagination. Leave the other something. scenes, though, I, I think were necessary. It was part of her education. All right, we will disagree on that. Okay. All right, Miss <laughs> Sensitive. That's right. No, yeah. I just I just I like I like imagination. I don't like to have it shoved in my face. And I felt like it was shoved in my face. Okay. okay. What do you have for number five? Number five is one that you actually alerted me to and I would never have known about, and that is Story Av. Um, this is a movie that, again, another quiet movie, something that, mm -hmm. you know, for the first 20 minutes, I'm like, okay, come on, got to hook me here. Got to hook me. And then once it did, it was like, you couldn't have pulled me away with a, with a bunch of wild horses. It's written by Aristotle Torres. And, um, it's actually based on, did you know that it's based on his experiences growing up in the Bronx? Um, he he takes this young boy, Kadir, played by Asante Black, beautifully done by Asante Black. Incredible performance by this young boy mm -hmm. who um, I didn't know this. He was also in the uh, Central Park Five movie. Uh, they see. Oh. Yeah. When they see us by Ava DuVernay. I didn't know that. Um, and I guess he's always in, he's also in This Is Us, and I, I haven't seen that series. Right. Um, but brilliant performance by this young boy who is guilt-ridden for something we don't really know what has happened in his past, but it has something to do with his brother who has cerebral palsy. Um, he's a gifted artist, and he is pulled in two different directions. Um, one is to go on for his education. The other is to remain in a gang. Well, he's pulled in by this leader of a gang schemes played by Melvin Gregg, and he makes a poor choice and he takes a gun and he goes to the, um, the Metro system and holds this man, Luis up by gunpoint. Well, Luis is played by Louise Goodman and, it's an interesting conversation that takes place because Luis offers to buy him some food and give him a warm jacket. And the two develop a relationship of friendship. They both need each other. They both have ghosts that haunt them and they rely on one another to go beyond where they are. This is just a beautiful film about friendship and making choices in our lives and having the consequences. Um, Louise Goodman Guzman is amazing, as is Asante Black. And this is truly a movie that you need to see. You need to seek it out. Story Av. Wow, you made it through that without choking up. I'm proud of it. I a little choked. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, the, you know, we, we get um, emails all the time about movies, you know, 
would you watch it to review it? Watch to review it. And so many of them I don't respond to, but seeing Luis Guzman, and if you don't know that name, you know the face. When you see him, you'll know him. He's been in everything. He's good in everything he does. And that was the only reason I said, yeah, send us a screener. I'm so glad we did. Uh, That was tied for number 11 for me. I I really enjoyed the film as well. Uh, Quiet, moving, realistic, realistic. Oh my gosh, yeah. And uh, I do have a a list that I do for the Illinois Times about the 10 best scenes of the year. And the final scene made that list. Uh, I don't want to give it away, but uh, very, very moving. Yep. Yep. So let's see. My number five was Past Lives, which we've already talked about. Okay. Well, why don't you start us off with number four then? Number four was a dream scenario with uh, Nicolas Cage. Uh, another odd one another odd one uh if you are a fan of uh things by charlie kaufman adaptation being john malkovich uh this film is very much in the same same type of tone same type of uh odd um circumstances that kind of really twist you 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 have to accept a an odd occurrence in in the real world to go with this um Cage, boy, you know, what can I say? The guy is, he, he just did himself such a disservice uh, by making all those crappy movies uh, to get out of debt that I think now we don't give him the credit he deserves. I agree. And he's just so good here. He's a professor named Paul Matthews. He's a, a term from the past that they would have used for him. He's a milk toast. He, he's, he's just kind of bland. He's just kind of going along. He's a doormat. Um, he's a biology professor. He doesn't get the credit he deserves. He's always wearing his dorky winter coat. And for some odd reason, we'd never get an explanation. He stops popping up. He starts popping up in the dreams of random strangers, just popping up in dreams. You're having a dream. And the thing about him though, is that in every dream, he stands by and he does nothing. He just observes. You could be getting eaten by a cat, by by a by a pig. He's just going to stand there and do nothing. You could be in the middle of a car accident. He's standing there doing nothing. Well, people start to talk and part, start to recognize him, and this becomes thanks to the internet. Thank you, internet. Something of a media sensation, and it becomes known that people around the world are dreaming about this guy and. He enjoys his celebrity because he craves recognition so much. He enjoys it for a while before it all goes south. And suddenly his behavior in these dreams changes. And once that happens, oh my God. Um, I don't want to give too much away. This is one of the few movies this year where I did not know what was going to happen. No, no, I had no idea. (laughs) And I love that because you and I both said, you know, within 15 minutes, most movies, we know what's going to happen. This one, I did not. And it surprised me, surprised me. And one of the things I loved about this is that it took, it takes the whole uh, victimhood mentality that we have now and puts it under the microscope and destroys it the way it should about how people who, whose feelings are hurt over nothing, who, when you, when you inadvertently do something that you don't mean, they, they chastise you this whole cancel culture thing. When you apologize, it's suddenly not good enough. It points that out as does another film on our list. And I, it's so timely and again, so smart. He's great, unpredictable. I really like this one. 
I liked this one too. This one surprised me because I thought it was going to be a comedy. <laughs> it is at times. Oh, at in times. the beginning, it definitely start. It goes dark real fast. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. and I was not expecting that. And I didn't know where it was going to go either. I did enjoy this one. Um, there are a lot of questions that came up. I watched it with my husband and Kristen mm -hmm. and I, there were a lot of WTFs being thrown around while we were watching it. So again, created some great conversation. Um, I believe my friend Jane was here too, watching it. And we talked for a good half hour afterwards about yeah. What is the meaning of this movie? So, you know, when a, when a film can create a conversation, that's one checked box for me. You bet. You bet. Yeah. Well, my number four is Nyad. And I think you were talking about how Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret was, Margaret was written specifically for you. <laughs> mm -hmm. Nyad truly spoke to me. That That is a movie that, I needed to see this year. Mm -hmm. um, it's about Diana Nyad, who's played by Annette Benning, and she's turning 60, as am I this year. And there's our first connection. And she is refusing, Nyad is refusing to think that the best is yet behind her and not in front of her. She was um, not an Olympic swimmer. I guess she got sick before she was able to go to the Olympics. So she was never an Olympic um, athlete, but she was a long distance swimmer and she was incredible. She set records all over the place. Nobody could touch her. She tried when she was 28 to swim from Havana, Cuba to the Florida Keys and failed. No one has ever done that. And she thought, you know what? I'm turning 60. I'm going to get back in shape. I'm going to get in swimming shape and I'm going to do it this time. She convinces her best friend, um, who became her coach, Bonnie, played by Jodie Foster, to help her attain this goal. Um, everyone thought she was crazy, and I kind of thought she was crazy, too. Uh -huh. Yeah. And <laughs> she convinces a very small team of experts from a, uh, a, a, a captain of a boat to a um, person who understands aquatic life and how to stay safe. Um, and being able to coordinate this team it's not about it's not necessarily about achieving her goal it's about how they do it how they yeah. band together and what drives them boy i tell you this was a cinematically stunning movie as well because it took my breath away i you know we're talking before on a, on a previous podcast about um society of the snow and the avalanche coming into the fuselage and taking our breath away this was the same way as she's swimming and mother nature is pounding her with waves i couldn't catch my breath um we were really in those rocky waters and experiencing what she was experiencing this is a beautiful film about an irascible woman who has the tenacity and resilience not to give up and a gorgeous ending. I didn't know how it was going to end. This story took place probably 20 years ago and I don't remember it. And so this was all new to me and absolutely entertaining and inspiring. And that's a good movie. Yeah. You know, I, I like how you say irascible. Uh, which means real pain in the ass. She uh, was. <laughs> and, and I like how they didn't sugarcoat this. Nyad was in charge of producing this, helped to write it. And, you know, that they presented her warts and all. Uh, 
but you know it it we've seen you know if you've watched the michael jordan documentary we've seen that it takes that sort of attitude and these are the sort of people that achieve those impossible things those things that we can't um right. you know I, I i think i'm hoping benning is nominated for best actress uh, i hope so too she's di she's dynamite here and i know she went through extensive training well, to did you actually th get the stroke exactly the way Nyad would swim. I right, mean, right. This is just this to is get a really cool part of the story is that she, uh, Benning is, is not a big swimmer. She scuba dives and she can swim, but she wouldn't call herself a swimmer. And so she looked up on YouTube how to swim <laughs> and she realized, right. no, I need a little bit more than that. So talking about actually imitating the way Nyad swam, um, I picked up on this immediately because I am a right-sided swimmer. I can only breathe off of my right side, which drove my swim coach nuts in high school. She is a left-sided breather only. So she imitated that stroke and hmm. only swam on the left side. And she trained for hours and hours every day. She'd be in the water training. And Jodie Foster accompanied her and did the exact same workouts to make sure that she was experiencing what um, Annette Benning was doing as well. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, really good movie. You find this one on Netflix. Uh, and of course, Foster's great. She's always great. And these two together, I wish someone had cast them together in other movies earlier. I, I yeah. agree. And and seeing the two of them together playing ping pong, check out that scene because yeah. that ping pong is not real. <laughs> no, no, it's not. You're not supposed it's to be real. paying attention to that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's hope they recast them in a, in a couple other movies. They're really great together. I hope so too. Really so what's your number three, Chuck? Oh, my number three is the uh, laugh riot uh, called the zone of interest. Ah, tell me about that one. I've missed that one. Oh boy. God. Um, this is one of the foreign films that uh, made my list and it is a sobering, harrowing, upsetting, necessary film to watch. Uh, it's based on a true story. Um, and it basically deals with uh, the guy who ran Rudolf Haas. Rudolf Haas is his name. He was the commandant of the Auschwitz oh. concentration camp. Okay. And what we see is the film focuses on him and his family. Him, uh, his wife, the same woman from Anatomy of a Fall, and their children. And they live in a house. And if you didn't know any better, you'd think, oh, this is a family just trying to get ahead, trying to make it. But, you know, dad's a Nazi. And next to the house, in the background, constantly, you see these oppressive buildings. You see a wall. You hear a constant mechanical humming throughout the film. Apparently, every once in a while, you'll hear gunshots. Occasionally, you'll hear screams. And there's the camp right next to them. Next to the wall of the camp is a garden that they have built, a garden that the wife takes great pride in and gives her mother a tour of when mom comes to visit. Uh, they have parties when right across the wall, these atrocities are being committed. You see the gardener come over and he's spreading something in the garden and you realize it's ashes. It's just another day for these people. Wow. It's no big deal. She talks about at one point, she asks her husband if she'll take, he'll take her back to Italy to a spa because things have been so hard for her. She goes over, the first scene has 
a bunch of clothes being brought in to the house. She grabs a fur coat and she tells all the other women in the house, you can take one item. And you realize these are clothes that have been taken from the Jews who are being yeah. slaughtered next door. This movie, you, my mouth just was open the entire time. And it's just such an example of you were talking about you don't need to see things we don't need to see any of this and they don't show us any of it the the point of this and the horror of this is that this is just part of these people's everyday life and they don't they're not affected by it at all they're going about their business they can be so callous so evil so unfeeling that it means nothing to them and it is unfortunately an incredibly timely film we haven't gotten that far, but I think that there are far too many of us who are unfeeling and not seeing things for what they should be seen as. So a rough watch, but I think a necessary watch, zone of interest. All right. I know I've got the DVD and I will make sure that I watch that one. Thanks, Chuck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my number three is Barbie. And I was shocked that I liked this movie. I was shocked that I loved this movie. I'm shocked that it's on your list, quite frankly. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, what I what I loved about this movie, and if you haven't heard anything about it, I think you're probably <laughs> living under a rock. A but rock, stars yeah. Margot Robbie is stereotypical Barbie. And she somehow has broken through the space-time continuum or whatever they call it in this. And she has these weird thoughts of death. And Barbie's happy little world of Barbie land, you don't have thoughts of death. And so she ends up going to Weird Barbie, played by Kate McKinnon, which is hilarious, and finds a way to go into the real world and connect with her person and find out what in the world is going on. This is a little, this is a big adventure for Barbie because Ken tags along. Te Ken finds out that the world the real world is not run by women. It's run by men. Mm -hmm. And he comes back and he influences Barbie land and be makes it become Ken land or Ken world or whatever he ends up calling it. Um, this is very funny yet very poignant um, as it tackles these societal stereotypes and these gender differences and what it means to be a woman. Um, I thought it was smart. It was creative. It was fun. The music is fun. I'm not, I I'm Ken, I'm not enough. And we got those fun sweatshirts with that too. <laughs> um, this is just, I loved all the different levels that were brought into the story because you can have entertainment, you can have humor yet. You can still make it something very meaningful. I cried twice during this movie. Mm -hmm. This really spoke to me. America Ferreira's speech, mm -hmm. that she gives are a gut punch, another gut punch that mm -hmm. really, I think, allows men and women, men to see what women experience and women to put words to what we experience. I loved it. I could not believe I loved it. I love the production design. I love the costuming. I loved all of it. And did you know that Greta Gerwig and her husband, Noah Baumbach, who, who co-wrote this together, they actually put in some homages to the Wizard of Oz throughout mm -hmm. the film. Um, when she's leaving Barbie land in her little pink convertible um, on the marquee, 
the Wizard of Oz is playing at the theater, which mm -hmm. I thought was kind of fun. There are a few other little, you got a pink brick road as opposed to a yellow brick road as mm -hmm. she leaves and a few other homages to the Wizard of Oz. I thought that was kind of fun info. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, mm -hmm. but when this was announced and it was announced that Gerwig and Bombuck were involved, didn't you scoff? <laughs> you were a scoffer. I was a total scoffer. I'm not a, a Gerwig fan. I know you're not. Uh, especially not. as an actress, I like her better as a director. And I was like, oh, we're going to do some stupid Mattel thing. Granted, I played with Barbie when I was growing up. Mm -hmm. um, and I just was not a big fan of Greta Gerwig. And boy, oh boy, she certainly flipped my switch on that. You know, I, I, I understand the importance of the film. I thought it was smart, too. There are many parts I liked about it. I think it has some flaws. I think it's too long. Uh, I think that the whole subplot with Will Ferrell and the executives at Mattel needs to be thrown out. It, it drags the film down. I think it would have been better had it been more streamlined. But uh, there, there's no questioning the impact this thing's had uh, on the culture. And, and, and you know, uh, this movie was not pitched to me. But I, you, when I was in the theater and I could hear the sniffling of women, I knew that it was speaking to something I could not understand. Okay. Uh, that it was keyed into thoughts of childhood, thoughts, uh, you know, uh, you know, toys and things like that. They do have a resonance for us. Yeah. Uh, they take us back. I mean, all you have to do is watch Toy Story or yeah. Citizen Kane. And, you know, these are connections. And that the film was so smart in tapping into that while addressing these issues of the the difference between the sexes in society and, and the injustice of it all so yeah there's no questioning how smart i just wish it was a little bit tighter but uh yeah this is one and that whole speech is one that we'll be talking about for many years yeah definitely all right so we are on to number two we've already covered my number two which is florence and what is your number two number two i have a think the feeling is on your list as well american fiction that is my number one so let's number talk about one. that yeah boy what a movie you yeah. know you talk about barbie being timely this is timely as well uh such a smart smart funny movie uh with of course the great jeffrey wright uh, I'm glad he's finally getting his due. He finally has a starring role uh, that is worthy of his talent. And if you don't know Jeffrey Wright, look him up. You're going to say, oh, that guy, because he's been in everything. Uh, he plays this professor named uh, Thelonious uh, Ellison. Uh, and he's a smart guy. He's written a lot of novels that haven't sold. Uh, he's a little frustrated by that. He has some similarities to the character in Dream Scenario, actually, mm -hmm. uh, as far as being overlooked and feeling bad about that. And he really gets upset when he notices that novels that, and I'm using the air quotes, chart the Black experience uh, are bestsellers. And one of them really gets his goat. Uh, I can't remember the name of the novel, but something about we we live in the hood or something like yeah. that. And it's written in very stereotypical black language. Well, on on a whim and being mad and a little drunk, uh, he writes his own version of this under the pen name Stag R. Lee, and it's called My Pathology. <laughs> and he submits it to his uh, agent, played wonderfully by John Ortiz, who thinks it's a joke they send it off to publishers and of course the publishers want to publish it he gets a big advance and things spin wildly out of control um 
you know, one thing that we, you and I have talked about as far as this is concerned and what I think is so important is how funny this film is. This movie is so funny uh, and smartly so. And it pokes fun at you. It pokes fun at me. It pokes fun at everyone. And also takes this whole cancel culture thing uh, to task as well. Um, and in being funny, we can now talk about these issues of right. race. It, it, it becomes much easier for you and I to enter a discussion uh, about this. And, and I really think, I hope other films key onto this because that's the only way we're gonna really talk about this is to try and look at it from this type of point of view. Uh, I wish everyone would see this movie. It's so vital right now and so accessible right. as well as far as this is concerned. And 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 I, I just, I, I hope that it gets its due. I hope so too. I, I was uh, reading about the writer, um, Cord Jefferson. He mm -hmm. actually based it off the book Erasure by Percival Everett. I haven't read the right. book, have you? No, I have not, no. no I need um, to seek it out. And he said, and this is according to a CBS News interview, um, that he had an executive come up to him and tell him that they wanted him to write a character that's quote unquote blacker. Mm -hmm. And he said, he mentioned asked, that at the news conference I oh, was at. Oh, did he? Okay. Yeah. okay. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about that. No, no, keep going, keep going. Cause okay. I'm sure it's the same story. Um, and he said, well, explain to me what that means. And they didn't dare explain what that meant. And so right. he yeah. put a lot of his own personal experience into this character of Thelonious Monk Ellis, which there is no Thelonious Monk music in this movie, nope. surprisingly. Nope. There is not. There is not. <laughs> but really, really pointed. And I also like how they talk about, they look at Monk and how he starts to change. Yes. Once he has to actually assume this character. And also once the success starts to go to his head a little bit. It's it's a really interesting character study. And a cool ending. Love the ending. A lot. Of, I, every person that I that I know who's seen this is I didn't like the ending, and I'm thinking, yeah, well, you're stupid. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I love the ending too, because this story isn't done. Right. We haven't written the end of this story, and I think that's what the ending means to me. Right. Right. We had a lot of doors to open up and to figure out how how it does end. You know. What is yeah. your number one? Well, what is, wait, what is your number two or whatever? We got to, you know. Oh, my number two was Flora and Son. So we've already talked about that one. So have we talked about everything for you? For me, yeah. Really? Okay, we've covered everything. A uh, movie that I came out of nowhere for me, uh, Fallen Leaves. Ah, <laughs> that's your number one? That's my number one. Why do you say that? That's my number one. Wow, this, this is, it's a, it's a punchy film. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it is a punchy film, and I'm going to tell you why it's my number one. This comes from Finland. A guy by the name of Aki Krismaki made this film. And it is about these two, I don't want to use the word loser because that's not right. It's about these two battered people, very yeah. battered people. Uh, there's this woman named Ansa, played by Alma Poisty. She's got a crappy job. She lives by herself. She loses her crappy job, has to find another crappy job. She she kind of goes out. She's looking for somebody she's not going to find. She, everything is going wrong for this woman. And, and even in the world as well. I think it's very important that when she comes home from work every day, she turns on the radio and there are reports of the invasion of, um, God, I'm blanking. Ukraine. Uh, 
Ukraine on. Everything in the world is going to pieces. Meanwhile, you got this guy named Hopa, uh, played by Jussi Vatanen. And this guy, he drinks too much. He's got a crappy job. He's going nowhere. Uh, he, he just really is adrift as well. And they meet uh, while they're out at a karaoke bar. And something happens, but something not quite. And he does ask her out. They go to a movie. It doesn't really go well, but it goes well enough. And then they go to coffee. And then he's going to call her. He gives her, she gives him, and he loses the number. And of course, she's crushed. And other things happen. The reason I love this movie is, it, one thing, it's 80 minutes. It's 80 minutes. I love the humor in it. It is absolutely hilarious because in the face of all these horrible things, these people are just incredibly stoic. They don't react to all these, anything at all. And when you're in the, the karaoke clubs, they're singing these songs and every no one's clapping. No one's singing along. They're all just standing there very still, very still. And there's one song that's being stung, sung about death and being dug up after you're dead. <laughs> and they're all just standing there. They're just standing there. They're not reacting at all. The reason I love this film is the last last scene. Okay. The last scene. Everything that goes bad. And it gets worse for these two. Everything that goes bad for these people. In the end, they end up taking a chance on each other. Everything is telling them not to. Right. And not only are they, they fall, they're, they're, they're taking a chance on love. And I find that right now to be an act of defiance in the world they're in. They're basically flipping the finger to the world. It's falling apart around, yet they're going to take a chance on each other. And they're going to hold together with the dog that they find as well. And them hobbling off together was the life affirming thing I needed at that moment. I might, I might choke up now. Wow. I can't fall in leaves look for it it's one of you know i know people don't like foreign films oh i gotta read you're gonna forget your reading after you 10 do. minutes you do you know it's funny but more than anything i just found it so affirming and positive in the world that that, that we're in right now and, and and that's why i liked it very good well I, I i love your take on it i enjoyed it too not quite as much as you but i i understand why you liked it so much and that does it for our top 10. We had a little bit of overlap. Thank you everyone for listening. And please feel free to comment on our Facebook page, Real Talk with Chuck and Pam, or look up our reviews on our website, realtalkwithchuckandpam.com.